Welcome to Consensus Conversations 2022, presented by Oak Network. I'm Rob Mitchell, Coindesk's Deputy Podcast Producer. During Consensus 2022, there was a large Bitcoin mining container right across from our Coindesk podcast studio in the Austin Convention Center. I was intrigued and happy to get to ask all my questions about these industrial-sized Bitcoin mining units. Here's that exploration. So this is exciting to me. I'm standing here with Todd Sharp of Foundry. And, you know, I've always seen pictures of these, like, storage containers filled with mining units. And here we are. I'm actually at one. And so it'll be fun to kind of poke inside with you and and learn about it. We'd love to have you join us and uh, find out what goes on in these. All right. Should we go in? Let's go. All right. So to the right of me, there are all these, I guess, single bitmain miners. What kind of miners are these? Uh, so these are actually, these are older S3s we're using as a, as a model, more just to kind of show what it would look like. These aren't miners that you would see uh, operating today. There's much newer iterations, but we have these here as an example of how many miners you can fit into a container of this size, which is a one megawatt uh, capable container. We have about 130, 120 or so miners here. You can fit, depending on the miner, anywhere between 250 and 300 miners. And that's one of the things that these containers are uh, intended for is to get really, you know, collapse down and aggregate your mining power into a small space that can be picked up, lifted, moved wherever you need. So it looks like each miner has an Ethernet cord and I guess a power cord, and that's, that's it? Exactly. So they're typically paired with a power supply as well. But you're right. As far as interface, there's an Ethernet cable and a power cable. What's nice about these containers as well is you can easily rack and mount all the wiring, keep things nice and clean, especially for airflow. So as you can imagine, these run pretty hot and can get hot. But all you need is a connection to uh, the Internet connect to our pool, Foundry USA pool, and you're mining away with Foundry. So if this was all working, would each one have its individual power supply, or is there like a mass power supply that could be pushing all these? Yes, good question. So um, if you do have a power delivery system that can regulate the power needed for, uh, you know, voltage amperage across all of these, it doesn't necessarily need the power supply, but this is going to convert AC to DC, so you, you pretty much need these unless you can provide the necessary power at a, at a DC uh, current. So generally, they would all have their own separate... Correct, correct, yes, Interesting. exactly. Okay. And I guess on this side, is yeah. this just the air flows through a filter exactly. or something? Exactly, so this is a cooling filter. So actually, if you see here on the, on the top and bottom here, you can actually install plumbing. So water would be running through here, and this would be a, um, a non-direct kind of pushed flow. So what happens is when all of these miners are running, they're going to be pulling in air from the outside and drawing in this cooled air from the water here. And then on the small other side of the container is where the hot air would go and then vent it out here. You can also see they're designed to allow for the vents to be open, but allow for rain and other things to not affect the miners. And as we go back farther, is there more stuff that Uh, we should be looking at? Yeah, so this here is an example. You would have external power generation, however you're you're supplying power to the container. This is basically that cabinet that's going to manage that power for you and run those power cables along onto the rails so that you can connect the DC power supplies to them. And you can see there's other cooling racks over here as well. How often are people buying things like this, these complete setups? Yeah, great question. Uh, We're seeing more and more of it now, especially where we're trying to get into areas of like carbon capture. So one of the biggest conveniences about these is you don't have to build a static long-term plant. You can pick these up, move them anywhere, drop them in place where power might be cheaper, 
or where you have a project where you're at a natural gas facility, mining uh, oil facility, that are going to be venting off unnecessary or unneeded gas, flaring we call it. We can actually capture that carbon, not burn it off into the atmosphere, turn generators right on site, and you're, you're, you're mining Bitcoin while on site, and it's more efficient, and it's a little bit better for the environment. Is it cost-effective to have something like this that's just run here and there with, like, I don't know if flaring is a constant thing, or is it just, at so it's constant. Is there a certain amount of time this thing has to be operational for it to be profitable, like percentage of the day? Great or question. So that depends on how you also purchase and finance the miners themselves. So if you're fully liquid and you own these miners and they're paid for, your profit starts pretty much immediately as you plug them into the pool. Now, if you're financing equipment from us or you know you, you have to pay off that loan, then there's a time to profit. So depending on which miner you, you select, based on how much energy it uses and its total hash rate, you can calculate when you would be net profitable, when you would be in the black, so to speak. So uh, again, that's depending on where you are, what the energy costs and what miners you're running and decided to purchase or run, that kind of changes that equation. And, and that's most of what our clients are doing is determining what miners do they want to invest in now that might have far more efficiency. You're going to pay a lot more up front, but then there's a, a payoff for that over time. And again, that's all dependent on a lot of different factors. Right now with the current price of, of Bitcoin at about $28,000, $29,000. Anyone that's bought some of the newer S19s, S19Js, etc., you're breaking even within two or three years is usually. If you're buying them all up front and you're fully financing it, it's kind of the rough average there. As the price goes up and mining difficulty might even drop, that can change dramatically. That graph can look very different very quickly, but uh, long term, that's kind of what you're And, and I'm realizing now how naive my question is, because there's the cost of the energy, oh, sure. and there's yeah. the cost, the price of the Bitcoin and yep. stuff, so it, it really is all varying. Okay, so I guess tell me now more about Foundry's part in all this. Foundry uh, started with just the buying and selling of these ASIC machines that you see here, or, or similar ones. So buying from Bitmain, say, and then Correct. reselling them? So Correct. you're, you're basically like a Lux retailer Meyer, almost? A, exactly. Um, and then what happened was the market kind of turned on us, and it made no sense to actually turn around and sell them. We had purchased a whole lot. We had connections with the Chinese manufacturers. And instead of just turning around and selling them at a loss, we thought, well, let's mine Bitcoin with them. So we started to work with public companies, mining companies to say, hey, we need places to plug these in, local power plants that were also looking to do something similar. So we plugged them in and started mining. And that kind of led Foundry and, and our, our CEO, Mike Collier, to decide, you know what? We're also paying a lot of fees on these pools. Let's also get involved in the software side. Let's actually build our own pool and, and mining software for the, all this infrastructure. So we started doing that. We catered to the institutional United States customers. And so we're kind of that full end-to-end -end when it comes to buying a machine, the logistics to ship them quickly within weeks, very transparent, unlike months sometimes and not knowing where your machines were, to getting them plugged in and mining on our pool and, and earning Bitcoin. And I'm just realizing, I should probably say this, Foundry is a DCG company, correct? This is correct, yes. And Coindesk is a DCG. Correct. So disclosure there. <laughs> I, I, believe me, no matter who you were, I, I was really curious to get to come in here and, and talk to you. Is there any other mining, like say GPU mining for Ethereum or anything that uses a facility like this? Not that we're aware of or not at scale that we're aware of with GPU mining. Our pool is Bitcoin focused only, so we don't have a whole lot of exposure to the other proof of work 
pools, especially ones that are still kind of locked to GPUs. There are other proof-of-work mechanisms, other proof-of-work protocols that will work on similar machines like this. They're ASIC machines. They are different. They're not necessarily SHA-256, which is the, you know, the hashing algorithm that they do. But we are working on some projects to bring more than just Bitcoin proof-of-work mining to uh, situations in infrastructure like this. Are there other chains you can mention? that? As of right now, they're kind of uh, undercover at the moment. But uh, okay. you'll be probably hearing more about that this year for sure. One thing I would mention too is we can even operate in very remote locations. There's a company called Blockstream that a lot of people are aware of. They operate the Bitcoin protocol over uh, satellite networks. They have a product now that does ingress and egress. And basically what that means is instead of just having a personal node at home that's aware of the Bitcoin uh, network, we can actually mine out from it as well. So in theory, as long as you've got you know a clear view of the sky, you can be mining Bitcoin remotely without even needing a tethered internet connection. How long have they had the two-way satellite? Um, I, I was within the past year or so that that's come up. It's their more, you know, of course, expensive option because you have to be able to, you know, also, you know, send that up to the satellites and broadcast your, your work from there. Latency is a big thing with mining. You have to make sure you have a mm -hmm. very fast, uh, uh, non-latent connection. So it's not ideal, but it's at least a way to do it in a, in a very remote location. I peeked in here last night when sure. the, the show floor pretty much cleared out. And it did sound like there were some of these units running. Is that correct? Are you actually yeah, mining we do have a these? few machines over here that are actively mining just to kind of show that this is a, a working unit. Again, these machines are a little bit older. So the new ones would be running at full power at about 240 volts, approaching 3,000 amps. So they're, they're pretty high powered. It would be very loud in here. Ear protection would have to be used at all times. If we were to actually fill this container with about 300 miners, there's so much pull of air that it would, you know, actively cool these and you don't have to have uh, fans actually running and expending extra energy. All the energy you're using is specifically for the miners themselves. And the noise that was turned off for, so for yes. this interview, what was that? bunch of miners running, the fans running, or what was that? That was an example of uh, kind of the, the typical audible sound you would hear kind of at a distance from a large mining container, but these seal up for sound very well included. So what we had playing was just kind of a, a small background noise to kind of get a sense of what it might be to be in uh, an area like this with a container like this running. Yeah. We did it just for people coming in to kind of get a feel for what it might be like to be in a fully operational container. So before we sign off, can we turn it back on? Just get a little loud audio? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, um, I might need uh, my, my cohort over here, but okay. uh, yeah, we'll do that. All right, let's see. Oh, here it comes. All right, and now I can tell that is a speaker. I had not noticed. Yeah, so um, as you can tell, it's, it's really just um, the flow of air that you hear kind of coming through the filters, and of course, all of the fans running uh, to pull that air through. Some of the other projects we're working on that aren't containerized yet are immersion cooling. So the lifetime of a miner extends dramatically and it also is more efficient because you're not running fans on every one of these units. So to cut down on noise and, and uh, loss of efficiency, we're also uh, looking into immersion cooling to remove that sound that you Ooh. hear. There's of course a, a cost involved with that. You need plumbing and, and, a, and a pump system but you get much more life out of your miners. You can run them at higher hash rates because you can cool them more efficiently. How far are we away from these immersion cooling units like this? So we're proof of concepting them at some of our facilities right now. They're typically in kind of facilities themselves right now, but there are nice new units coming out that are sort of self-contained that you could most likely stack into a container like this. Moving them is a little more interesting because they're full of, of liquid. Uh, so there's still some logistics to work out there, but that's kind of where the future's taking us. Okay, great. Thanks so much, Todd. Thank you. Thanks for having me.